Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen, and you can keep up with us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And also take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. You will find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and just about anywhere else that you get your podcast at. And with that same username at Radio Islam USA. Folks, if you want to drop us a line, as in an email, right? I don't think anybody's writing long form email, uh, long form letters uh, much nowadays. But if you want to send, it, send us an email, you can do so producer at radioislam.com that's producer at radioislam.com and um yeah we'd love to hear from you all right folks um i am happy to have joining me in studio the resident filmmaker uh not just the resident filmmaker he's quite an accomplished uh filmmaker and he's got a long history uh in, in in the business bubba murray um we are about to get into movie talk uh so it's good to have you back you know, I am excited. See, okay, now see, I got your mic up. Uh, I had your mic off there. Okay, so <laughs> see, just shaking off a little of the dust. Yeah, ready to go back. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, it's been a minute. So, for those of you, because this is one of my favorite parts, and also one of Bubba's favorite parts. Oh, I love it! I love it! I love this part. Okay, here we go! Here we go! <laughs> so we get to let you know who Bubba is. You know who I am. Uh, Bubba Murray is an award-winning writer, director, hailing from Oak Park, Illinois. That's right, Oak Park. Background includes receiving the ABC Writing Fellowship for Desperate Housewives, participating in the NBC Diversity Scene Showcase twice, and being accepted into the Fox Writing Initiative. And most recently, he's got actually two films that have uh, that have been screened, but he won the Best Children's Film for Robox Short Film in 2017. And he also had another film, which was uh, in the horror genre right correct and what was the title of that that was called awake awake and that also filmed that also screened here and uh some of the festivals yes uh and i think most recently it was the it was in the it was in the chicago horror film festival and it was actually in a uh fantasy uh film festival uh in ohio and that was about about eight weeks ago okay now before we get before we get into uh enter uh into the spider-verse uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Before we get into that, I gotta ask: Are there independent film screenings at like uh, Comic Con, short films, stuff like that? Uh, well, depend. I mean, at certain events now, at Comic Con because it's so huge. I mean, if you're talking about the San Diego Comic Con, yeah, they yeah. usually reserve theirs for the studio okay. pictures. But actually, like this, this convent. The event that my last film screened was at a similar type of comic book horror gaming uh, event. So they had a collection of short films. So depending on the type of uh, convention you go to, you might have short films. They might also do some feature films. But they a lot of times they will just couple films with also gaming or comics just be, because those genres often mix with each other. Okay. All right. Yeah, I just thought about it because I, I just spoke with... Um, I spoke with someone recently that was going to be at the San Diego Comic-Con <laughs> and they were talking about panels, but they really, you know, right. didn't hear much about films or anything like that. So I was just wondering if that was kind yeah, of... Yeah, but again, it, it's something. But again, San Diego, now that that one's so huge, they will say their <clears> panels. I mean, they'll do a lot more of the big reveals, the drops, you know, the dropping the trailer. So yeah. I guess the big ones, like, 
you know, like Marvel released their whole next phase. Uh, you got to see some great clips of the new Star Trek show. So all the, there's a lot of money going into those. So they sort of cornered that market. Okay. All right. Into the Spider-Verse. I saw this in the theater, and then I turned right around and looked up. It was on Netflix. Um, well, at least it felt that way. Did I see this in the theater? I did. No, I didn't. Was this in the theater or was this it, on Netflix? Well, it was in the theater. I saw it actually twice in the theater. And I never see a movie twice. So it was really? a Now, this was like a, a Christmas release. Okay. So you know what? I did not see it in the theater. I saw it at home on Netflix. Now, I've got to first start out um, by saying that the look of this, it, it seemed like nothing else that I, I don't recall seeing anything like this before. Yeah, this was a very new take on animation because they tried to capture the comic book look yeah. and still, you know, they, they still did some contemporary CGI, almost 3D looking animation, but you still felt like you were almost watching something that was more classically 2D. And for those of us yes. who grew up on cartoons, not just like cartoon movies. It's like you appreciate the 2D. Like I appreciate 2D Spider-Man. I appreciate Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I appreciate all the old ones. So it's nice to see him like <laughs> yeah. uh, that they really did try to to mix the comic book. Mm -hmm. Like even like panels. And they had the, the text coming out at you like you would if you're reading a comic book. Yeah. Uh, to give you that experience. So yeah, yeah. It really was something that they, they hit some untouched. Uh, untapped boundaries let's say they broke some boundaries with this I mean it's, it's Academy Award winning movie yeah there's a reason why and it yeah. was deserved you know what else uh, that I noticed once again this big push for diversity um, in, in Hollywood with Marvel um, you had not just a you had a, a black Spider-Man well I guess he's Puerto Rican black Puerto Rican uh, yeah, yeah black Puerto Rican um, and then you had all these other iterations of spider person, right? You yes. This, this this pig that's a spider. Yeah. Um, spider man, and then you got, uh, then you had a spider woman. Spider, you know. Spider woman, woman spider hybrid, telekinesis. You've got your black and white spider man. Yeah. Uh, your traditional spider man, and then. Are we allowed to do any spoilers? I mean, this movie's been out a while. Am I allowed to talk about like post yeah, credits? Yeah. We yeah. we've even got we get all like, the way into it. Yeah, we've got uh, oh, I we, like our Spider Man ninety nine. You know, mm -hmm. so we go all the way. We've got a lot of different ethnicities uh, represented in this one. Yeah. So, what was the big takeaway for you with this, other than the fact that it looked like it really tried to fuse the whole comic book look? Um, and it almost felt like for me, it looked like I was looking at some type of a, a rendering of real people that, you know, how you got those apps where you can yeah. turn your face, your picture into a sketch. That's what it kind of looked like to me. But what, what was the first thing that stuck out to you about this movie after the appearance? I mean, it? I mean, for me, it was just story. The story was key and you can take away the amazing uh, animation and you boil it down to the core story of just this kid being 
forced into a situation that he wasn't ready for, but is desperate to prove himself. Yeah, I mean, you've got all these you've got all these tropes that work well. I even talk about it in the movie. You've got the teacher, the master, who can sort of do it still. Mm-hmm. You've got, you know, you've got the father. I mean, well, actually, the the relationship between father and son. I loved that because you've really? got this father who's working really hard to to um, bond with his child, mm-hmm. but they didn't dumb it down. They didn't go to stereotypically. There's this beautiful scene, I think, when you've got Miles, who has just been told he can't go on the final mission, and one of the Peter Parkers uh, challenged him and then ended up webbing him up so he couldn't come. So there's Miles. He's webbed to a chair. Uh, His mouth is webbed shut, and he's in his dorm room because he's at a boarding school. His father comes, who's a police officer, and then knocks on the door to talk to him. Miles can't answer, but the father's son, they've been going through some stuff. So here the father is pained trying to explain that, you know, he's sorry he hasn't necessarily been the father he needed, but he always loves him and is always there for him. And it's a little, it's this, in the scene, it's one of those where you, it's a side view, so you see the father outside the door. They're separated by the door of the wall, of the uh, room. Mm-hmm. Miles is sitting next to him, and he's like even trying to touch his father. His hands are bound, so he's just leaning his head against the door, uh, feeling sad that he can't communicate with him, knowing that his father's hurting. And then he's also learning a lesson that, oh, my gosh, my father really is hard on me because he loves me. And he's taking this all in. So, so that's the stuff that got me, that the story was really strong. Mm-hmm. You didn't get caught up in just, I mean. Just the effects. The effects or, or just catchy songs or, or, or uh, forced nostalgia. I mean, I, I'm happy just throwing out like, like Lion King. Great, it's coming out. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it feels like that's just taking nostalgia 2.0. That's what I feel like they're working on. But this one, yeah. it was original. It was original, and then they really, really focused on heartfelt relationships. And I'm, and not just father son. Between the friendships, Gwen Stacy, I thought, even though she was short lived, her character, all the her character was really strong. They all had very strong motivations, very strong uh, conflicts or inner conflicts that they were dealing with. That their Spider-Man persona sort of encompassed. And you know what? What else here? Um I guess at the core of the story is uh, it was really about family. Yeah. Um, whether we talk about Miles or looking at Kingpin. Correct. He was trying to get his family back. He suffered like the biggest loss that anybody can, you know, if, if you think, if you have a family, to have them gone, you know, one day and then to live with the regret or then to feel like you, there's a possibility of somehow you getting them back. Right. Like what wouldn't you do? Um, you know, to get that. And he's willing to, he's ready to collide worlds. You know, he's ready to, you know, like, I mean, he will, the whole space time continue. He will literally move heaven and earth. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But, and there was something else that I noticed in this, unlike the live action Spider-Man, uh, one with, uh, what was the fellow's name? Toby, Toby McGuire, the first one. And then Andrew Garfield, or now we have Tom Holland, right? Tom Holland. Um, well, thinking back to Toby, uh, Toby Maguire, there was a period of time once he became Spider-Man or realized he had these abilities where he got to go through some training. He kind of was able to figure things out and get used to the um, to the abilities. You know, you remember the scene with him 
jumping from one building to the yes. next and you know and you know he failed and all of that but there was there was it was kind of like this breaking in period that I felt I saw him that that really was absent from this from this particular uh, film. I felt like Miles really had almost like no time at all. He was like trying to figure out things really on the fly. Um, couldn't get himself off the ceiling, you know, right. he stuck. Yes. And and of course he had the benefit of, I guess, of some mentorship to some you know to some degree, but it felt. Like he was thrown in a lot faster and a lot harder than in any of the other um, iterations of Spider-Man. Again, I would, yeah, I would definitely, I would agree with that, and when except for mm -hmm. the most recent iteration, because that story has started with Spider-Man already being an established character. When we met the Tom Holland Spider-Man, right. he was already a legend he was like an urban legend mm -hmm. before he met the tony stark and got the formal training so he he was sort of street smart before you know getting official but i know i i think that's that's a fair point but i don't think that took away from the arc of the story mm -hmm. uh i mean that i mean you mentioned that was that for you a negative in the story or just a concern no, with it just or just an observation? observation just an observation i, I thought it was interesting it, what I going along with that, I, I thought they played with that really well with his costume because <laughs> his his original Spider-Man and this is Miles Morales in the movie. His original Spider-Man costume is an ill-fitting Spider-Man Halloween costume. Right. So you know he can't even close it, and you know he's putting on the mask, and it's got the big cutout, so you see pretty much see his whole face inside the mask. Mm. Uh, so he really went from having the worst costume to then, you know, him hooking up with Aunt May and her giving him or helping Taylor a very sweet costume. Yeah, yeah, he got that, that Cadillac. Um, so what about some of the uh, the other spider? And uh, do you really call them, you don't call them Spider-Man? Spider-People? Spider yeah, Spider-People. What, what about the other Spider-People? Uh, in this, how did you feel like they all they meshed together? Do you feel like there was obviously the 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 girl? I don't know what was her name. Penny Parker. Well, Penny. oh no, I'm sorry. There's Gwen Stacy who was Spider Woman. Okay. Uh, you had Penny Parker who had the the psychic link to a spider, so she was in a that controlled a robot. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you had Spider Man Noir who was voiced by Nick Cage. Uh, and so he was just a black and white Spider-Man from the 1930s who, as his character said, liked to beat up, like he'd like to punch Nazis and drink egg creams. Yeah. Uh, you had your Spider-Man, which technically is our Spider-Man, who was the hobo Spider-Man who kind of got zapped over. So he was a broken down Peter Parker. Oh, uh, the one who picked up some extra weight. And, yeah. yeah. And then Peter Porker. Yeah. Who yeah. was Spider Ham? Yeah. Who was? I thought that was. Uh, I found it hilarious. Well, not hilarious. It was kind of sad in a way, to see the other side of the hero's life, right? When they gave us this glimpse into this Peter Parker that you would not recognize as being Spider Man, because I mean he looked like the weight of the world had really been on his shoulders. 
lost his uh, his relationship. He lost his marriage. He lost Aunt um, May. Yeah, lost Aunt May. And then he talked about, like, you never think about Spider-Man getting a broken bone. He's like, I broke my back. Uh, you know, like like real hardship. I mean, yeah, he, yeah his, his was just the... The down on his luck Spider-Man. And I think that's what made you, that's again, something that made me like it even more because you get past that illusion of, oh wow, superheroes, it's great. If I had a superpower, the world would be mine. You have this guy who's got all the responsibility and then again, weight of the world and sometimes it's a little heavy for you. Yeah, and you got scenes with this guy just sitting in the shower crying. Yeah, because it was so tough to be Spider-Man. I mean, that that was again that was a novel approach, but but was great was it wasn't it was it was done in a comedic way. It was pretty funny. Yeah. It wasn't just overly dramatic where you felt pity for him at that moment. I mean, there are obviously moments where you have that, which were done really well, but that moment where you're introduced to, to his backstory. He almost, it was kind of, this company loved his misery because it was really funny. Talk about the um, the dancing. Like, is that, that's a comic book reference as well? Oh, well, the, in, in the beginning. that's a movie reference. That's a movie reference. Okay. So have you seen the original Raimi movies? Spider-Man's 1, 2, and 3. Yeah. So that was a reference. So actually the, uh, that Spider-Man, this is the first Spider-Man. So in the movie, you've got, the Spider-Man who gets killed, that's blonde Spider-Man. And so a lot of his backstory mirrored some of the iconic scenes from the Sam Raimi first three versions of Spider-Man. Okay. So you had a little recreation of of that, of the hanging upside down kiss. Yeah. You had from Spider-Man 2, the original one, where Doc Ock is throwing a car into a into a restaurant and then you had the part from spider-man 3 with venom where you had dark peter parker Mm -hmm. dancing down the street and that was one of the moments that pretty much killed that franchise Mm. because it was so ridiculous and i and so but they are self-aware enough yeah to put it in the movie and then he said this is something we don't talk about much yeah yeah so but yeah but yeah if go back and check out um Spider-Man 3 with Tobey Maguire, and you can see, you know, evil evil Spider-Man with the slick down hair and uh, Topher Grace okay. as Venom. Gra- he was Venom? He was. Yes, yes, he was. Yeah, I actually... From that 70s show, if you don't remember who Topher yeah. Grace is. Yeah. Uh, it was not Spider-Man at its best, but it's still it's still a fun movie. I mean, it's wasn't there somebody with sand or yeah, it was Sandman. So that was the guy. Oh, I forgot his name. He was in Sideways. Uh, uh, but yeah, there was a sand in that one. Sidebar was Sandman. You had uh, James Falco, I guess, back as the Goblin. The Goblin. Yeah. I guess he was the Green Goblin. His father's the Goblin, so he became the Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. And then uh, yeah, Venom, Spider Man. So that was the last one, and the Sandman, Clint Marco, I think that's his name, he turned good at the end. I, this is my thing about that movie, I just always have to say this. In Spider-Man 3, the Sandman, he would tell the sad story about his daughter being sick, and that's why he turned to crime. Then he starts crying. I never understood this. The guy is made out of sand. 
how do you cry if you are made out of sand? Okay, that's it. I just want to throw that out there. Mm. Sandy tears. If, if you know, if you got an idea, you know. <laughs> holla, holla, say something. Say something. Send something back. But So how do you think they did as far as opening up future opportunities to go into those other universes, those other existences? Well, I think they did a great job of that, especially if you stayed to see the final, the end credits, where you have... This is Spider-Man 99, where he wasn't in the movie, but you find out he has a device where he now can go with, he can pick what universe he wants to go to. And if you remember at the end of the movie, he said, let's, I need to talk to the Spider-Man. We'll start from the very beginning. We're going to universe 67, Hmm. meaning that 1967 original Spider-Man cartoon. So so if you go back to that, uh, yeah, I think they did a really good job of opening that up. You also had a little clip where when you have the end credits or the the ending segment sequence and the music's playing and Gwen Stacy is calling to Miles right as he's going to bed, you hear her say, Miles, Miles, can you talk? And then we go to the final credits. So, So they left it out there for us to be able to hit other universes which is which is great because again you've got any villain any villain any hero any scenario now you can you can play with nothing is out of bounds i mean again if you can bring in peter porker mm. okay so bringing up peter porker would you say that is the least likely to be explored on a theatrical uh, scale like you know they may do something on a netflix or a streaming service but like which of these is that the the least likely to make it to the big screen, and I would say of those that I saw, I would say Penny Parker would probably be the least, oh, less likely than Peter Parker. I think so because I think that just I mean this is just in the grand scheme of things. I think that with the Peter Parker one, I mean it's just so ridiculous and so out there. If I was an ex- this is from the business standpoint, if I'm an executive and I'm trying to put together you know ninety minutes of entertainment. Mm-hmm. I feel like I might be able to get some stunt visuals like kids coming out to see this movie and parents may be more apt who might even be afraid of taking their kids to superhero movies might be more willing to go to something like this because it would be, it would probably be a G rated movie, just a a family type of movie with this sort of character. So in that sense, I could definitely see there being an outlet for him and, it, it, and I'm just going by which characters I thought brought the either the most unique story or world with them uh, Penny Parker uh, she felt more like an you know she's more of an anime type character and I just didn't know Wigan with what you're asking me yeah if her future anime sort of robotic Spider-Man is just the most attractive to do a full spinoff. Uh, like that's tough and, and, and noir could be tough yeah. to do, but it, it's also Spider-Man noir is so distinctive. And when I think they ran it, they only did, I believe, either four or eight episodes of Spider-Man noir at all. all right. So that character, though, was strong enough to get featured in this movie with having such a limited, I think, like one-time run. Now, who was the voice? Who voiced it? 
of which uh, Spider? Of the you said it. A Nicholas well, Nicholas Cage. I know voice Spider Man Noir, and I'm familiar with Nicholas Cage. No, but in the not just in the in the movie, but in the you said it had a four six. Oh no, this is the comic book. Oh, in the comic. No, not okay. not as a movie, but just as I mean, just as a book. So right. it only I was, it was about, like a a separate like little animated series or something like. No, that. No, no, no. It was, but uh, it was a separate storyline so okay. they just did a special uh spider-man noir book and i believe it was it was only one series it's and that's why i said it stands out to me even more because i'm more of a visual in the sense of tv or movie type mm-hmm. of person i've read comic books i read comic books but generally when i get all geeked out about them it's from their kind of their cartoon versions of them, not necessarily their comic book versions of them. Mm-hmm. So in doing for me a little research on the movie, just because they had so many spider people, that's when I found out his character didn't have a huge uh, canon in the comics. And right. It was very short lived, but again, it was very distinctive right. or, or unique because it was strong enough to be featured. Now you mentioned the comedic elements, lighthearted, if you will, for uh, into the uh, spider spider verse, right? Yes. But there was also a bit of darkness as well there, right? and I think that's kind of um, something we've come to expect. That's there are elements of darkness in each each one of these, and that darkness showed itself in the relationship between Miles and his uncle. Yes. And of course, I guess it was kind of wondered what was going on. What was the distance about between? his father and his uh, uncle, but... And they alluded to it, but even they caught me on that one. Yeah. Because they alluded, okay, um, his name is Uncle Aaron, that maybe he might have strayed to the other side of the law. law. But, again, you find out in this, Uncle Aaron is a villain, a supervillain, known as the Prowler. Yeah. And to a... And he's so... There becomes a moment in which new Spider-Man and Prowler face off. Yeah, yeah. And that's where uh, Miles, you know, is facing off with his uncle. His uncle doesn't know who the new Spider-Man is, but Miles had known who... Miles found out that the Prowler was his uncle. And this was tough because his Miles looked up to his uncle. During this time, I, I mentioned before that Miles had... Uh, he had some problems communicating with his father. So he would always turn to his uncle for, for support. Right. Uh, in fact, that's how, you know, we start this movie where Miles gets in trouble with dad. So he goes out tagging walls with his uncle and then gets bitten and the rest, as they say. But I, I think that also, that was one of my favorite characters uh, in that movie, Uncle Aaron. Yeah. And, you know, it's by a by a veteran Marvel actor. Who? Um, and I always get his name wrong. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's Ma- Mahersh- Mahershala Ali. Yes. That's who that was? Yes. Wow. So, again, from Luke Cage, Blade. Yeah. Um, Moonlight. Yeah, and I was just touching the the comic book stuff he did. I mean, he's okay. So I should just like kind of smack myself. Uh, <laughs> you, I, I was just throwing out movies. 
Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just like, because I was going to throw out Alita. Uh, Battle Angel? Yeah. I didn't see it. He was in it. Yes. It's, was Was it worth seeing? I, you know, I actually think it is. It's worth seeing. Because uh, I... It was great trailers. Before I went to go see that, I actually saw the original, which was, uh, I think, an 80s anime. Okay. And as animes go, this one is pretty... Uh, it stays true to the anime. And I have to say that to then say why. I, I loosely recommend it, seeing this worth seeing, because they really did stick to it. But in the grand scheme of things, it was sort of a big, uh, mainly just a lot of racing, robot racing, and so it was it was fun. Um, but and she I, had that Snapchat filter, the, the big the eyes. big eyes, yeah, yeah, and and I didn't realize all of that stuff was actually in the original uh, anime. Oh. So I, I like I like sometimes when they take those stories and they actually strengthen them rather than just. Uh, again, use that nostalgia to pick a couple scenes and then turn it into something that has nothing to do with anything. But uh, y- you know, it's a, it was a solid Robert Rodriguez flick. I liked it better than the Spy Kids stuff. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I would put it on par with an action. you know, he did the Sin City thing, so it's sort of up okay. there with that. So he's also a veteran in doing adaptations of novels, anime, and that sort of thing. So I, I think it's worth checking out. But uh, that going back to into the Spider Verse, I mean yeah. that that relationship and that moment where uh, Uncle Aaron, he's finally captured the new Spider Man, and he's telling him, "Okay, kid, you got no place else to run." And then Miles takes off his his mask and is, tells him, "Uncle Aaron, it's me." <laughs> I mean, you really could feel that, and when you can do that through animation, yeah, I mean that's when you know you've either got you've got. Great writing, great acting. So, uh, and from my understanding, they sort of let them improv that moment. And it was almost going to be a throwaway moment, just boom, we shoot. But rather than making this a big, like, oh my God, Uncle Aaron, don't shoot me. They did the exact opposite. They made it so small and so contained where they're almost whispering through that whole thing that it drew you in. It wasn't, they didn't come at you with shouting or crying or anything like that. It was very small. It was very intense. As an audience person, you're getting, like I said, it drew you into that scene. and uh, You're waiting to yeah. see what's going to happen, how yeah. it's going to resolve itself. Exactly. And, and so that also led to conflicts between uh, new Spider-Man and Aaron's brother-in-law or Miles' father, who's actually, we didn't say, he's a police officer. Right. Who finds the Spider-Man hovered over the dead body of his of uh spoiler alert sorry about I that i felt like i did feel like that was a little cliche it was i mean but that's part of the canon though so yeah uh yeah i, I can't i can't say it wasn't but it was you know oh i'm you're the last person i saw next to my dying brother so you must have done it and okay. he's and, and the guy never liked spider-man anyway so it's like any spider-man could do it like had it been the killer. Yeah. But I thought it would, but still without hindsight, when I was in that moment watching the movie, I thought it worked really well. So what do you see next? What do you see next for, for this uh, franchise? Because it looks like these are the same, same things we continue to see regardless of what character it is. 
um, it's the same. I shouldn't say it like that because that sounds. I'm not being pessimistic, right? But mm-hmm. you have to continue to find ways to reinvent the story, so people want to see it. Um, so, what do you see now with the introduction of these new characters for people? Um, what do you see now? Well, do you, are next? now are you saying next as in next with this particular franchise or next with these type of movies in general? Uh, both. Because I think, I think with the franchise, I think again, I think they're going to be able to split off into like the the animated versions of Spider-Man, like strong versions of that. And again, now they've got the whole multiverse available to them, right. and they were and they were exploiting that within this. So we know if and when they do another one of these, they're going to introduce some other Spider-Man, and they're going to probably have a lot more fun with it too. Because again, this was a movie that was self-aware of of the fans wants. And so I think when you talk about some of the cliche moments, when you're dealing with this sort of thing, you expect to see it, you, you, you expect it, you want it, yeah. but they had so many, what I want to say, like Easter eggs in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I saw it on Netflix or rented it, you know, well, when I saw it on Netflix, I had to pause it because they're just in New York. I wanted to see what every little sign was. Uh, and, and this is, I'm saying this because, that's just part of the appeal. Like, what else can you do? You get these moments where, in the next movie, I can't wait to see what else is going to be in the background. So, what did you see? Well, they had uh, from dusk till Sean. I don't know if you remember. That was a movie. I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Sean of the Dead. Yes. So they had a spoof of that from called From Dusk Till Sean, which is supposed to be a sequel to that. So okay. you saw the poster for that. Um, they had EA water polo like EA Sports water polo game. Yeah. They had a poster for a movie version of something called uh, Clone College. There was a 90s cartoon called Clone High. Uh, it was uh, like an M- MTV used to be an animation. Okay. And they did a lot of solid, and one of theirs was called Clone High School or Clone High. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a very uh, groundbreaking show at the time. You know, So they had now Clone College. Uh, they had posters of... Steve Curry as like Tiger Woods as the golden boy as a golfer. Really? Uh, yes. They had, oh, was it riding high? Like a, a stoner movie with Seth Rogen as a jockey. And again, all like, these are the red man group. And it was these guys, you know, the blue man group, it was the red yeah. man group and all the faces, the guys look like a uh, red skull. Okay. Uh, Oh, they used, there were ads for a search engine that predated Google. I think it was called like TikTok or, no, no, that's a, that's a social network. But there was, there, there were all these little nuggets. And this is just in the scene where they're in Times Square. So mm-hmm. that's, when they do the next one, I want to see what else they're going to put in there. And then, you know, they, they touched all the different Spider-Men. Uh, like so the last one they had was Spider. I said Spider Man ninety nine, mm-hmm. and uh, so we know that that Spider Man has the technology to go to the different universes. So uh, so with that, so with this particular one, who knows? Maybe they'll go to my favorite Spider Man with Spider Man and his amazing friends, and you'll see him with Firestar and Iceman. Yeah. Like yeah. that's not out of again. That's not out of the realm of possibility because they can do anything with it now. They could. You know, they could go to any cartoon, any comic, but 
Maybe they go real life. Who knows? Like SpongeBob, you know, their cartoon version, real life version. You can play around with that a lot. I doubt they would do that, but it's just, it's all open. Let me ask this. Do you think that other filmmakers, other studios are going to pattern their animated films after they, they're going to try to take the look that was in this film and build off of it is this a turning Unfor- point unfortunately i think they probably will try to and then it where they'll probably dilute they'll, dil- they'll dilute it down like they just won't do it as well because sometimes i think it's you should just let let spider-man have its style yeah. but i do believe if they don't do it in features maybe they'll try to do short cartoons and like you know they'll do comic books comic book shows based on less lesser known characters like i'm just throwing out names like uh let's say it's dc and they did something with a character named booster gold who's a real like silly comic book character but they might just put their the investment in copying that sort of animation Mm -hmm. to see if it helps boost some random property because you think marvel's getting all the characters back marvel's making all this money now so maybe maybe again other people will try and exploit it with other types of lesser known properties to boost it up even marvel might try to boost up their own but i could see this being sort of a watershed moment in how you approach Mm -hmm. comic book movies in within animation you know just getting away from everything looking kind of like uh the incredibles right and it's more multi mixed media and i love that i love the the look of the incredibles but it's a i think it's it's a different mood you know that also comes along with it because i feel like you've got the incredibles but then you'll do all these movies that just look like it so you have the incredibles mega mind um yeah well that's the only one i can think of top of my head that's a cgi comic like cartoon superhero movie okay but you know look wise I'll just use those two, though, but they look very similar to me. I don't know if you're familiar with Megamind. Yeah, Will Ferrell. Yes, and uh, Brad Pitt and all that. But it's just that they all have that same sort of Pixar-y looking feel, whether it's Pixar or not. Yeah. You're not good. I mean, I like The Incredibles, and I like Incredibles too, but I'm not going to confuse The Incredibles and, and no, the Spider-Verse there whatsoever. There was an element of, of, of realness. Like you thought, it, to me, it felt like I was watching live people in in certain instances that had just been like sketched over. Also though, the, there were other parts so I thought there was something wrong in the theater because it seemed like they were doing the pseudo 3D mm-hmm. effect. Yeah. The little like they had the shading off and I thought it was a mistake at first. So I thought, "Oh, did I go to the wrong theater and not get my 3D glasses <laughs> because it was looking off?" Yeah. But that's what they were trying to do. Uh Yeah, but but I I I think it could influence a lot. I mean, I, I just being selfish, I hope they don't because I just think that they, if people try to imitate it, they probably won't do as well. But on the flip side, they might try, it might empower people to go into other crazy directions that they never thought of because I know that was one of the initiatives or calls of this movie. They wanted to do something that people had never seen before. And that's what it was. Felt for me, this felt like a live action, like Liechtenstein Mm -hmm. painting. And Liechtenstein was like that pop artist who did all those comic book looking prints. So this, they 
because they had some of the moments in the movie where you could see that pixelation, I want to say, mm-hmm. of the comic book page where you've got the little dots. Yeah. And you could see that on the screen. So I thought, I, I, I appreciated that style. Now, in the grit, now going beyond that, which I do hope it takes on is when you're talking about diversity earlier, I, I think that this show that even with, you've got uh, Penny Parker, Peter Parker, uh, all these different types of Spider-Man, all these different ethnicities, you know, uh, genders, sizes, ages, you know, you've got kids, you've got adults, you've got everybody mm-hmm. represented, that, that makes it more inclusive it lets you know that there are stories to be told right 16 you know 16 year old peter parker tom holland his story is totally different than uh 38 year old um peter parker and into the spider-verse kind of broke it down you know you know they've all had different life experiences yeah but just from the viewer perspective they're both interesting it doesn't just have to be this a superhero or a story has to be like a 18 year old guy who just gets his powers. And that's every superhero story. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it opens it up to a lot. I mean, there's a lot, and then we've got a lot of exciting new superhero things coming out. It hasn't been like that for a while. I'm, I mean, going off topic, I'm looking forward to seeing this, uh, Amazon prime show, the boys, the boys. Yeah. There's I, a new, I haven't seen it's about this before. group of people who sort of keep superheroes in check when they go out of line. You know, so it's wow. So that's just coming out today or this week. Okay. So if you have Amazon Prime, check it out. Yeah. And remember, generally the movies that we're going to talk about and the television shows, all these things you can find them on your your streaming services. You know, Hulu, Netflix, Prime. Um, and I always yeah. throw out to you can get you can check out stuff at the library. Yes. So yes, you don't have to shell out. It, like if you were that one percent or twenty percent. 15% who don't have cable, who don't want to spend all that money for streaming this, that, or the other, there are ways for you to actually see great content and not feel like you've got to go into debt to do it. Get a library card. You know what that makes me think about? Hmm. That uh, iconic line in Goodwill Hunting um, when Matt Damon is going up against some guy who's been plagiarizing some scholar. Mm-hmm. You know, He's busting... Um, Ben Affleck's chops. And when it's all said and done, he goes, yeah, well, you paid, what do you say, you paid 50 grand for an education you could have got for for $1.50 in late charges, you know, at the library, hmm. you know. So, yeah, don't sleep on the library. Um, definitely. Always good that you bring that in. All right. This has been good. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, we're still yeah. going at it. Um so what's the next? What's the, what, next time we talk? What's the next thing we need to get into? Well, I definitely want to touch on the new James Bond. Yes, yes. So we have an African American woman who is who has the designation of 007. So yeah, so I'll say yes. That. Right, she has the, the new 00. Of, of 007. Um, what's his name? Craig. Um, um, why do I always forget this guy's name? But um, anyway, he's the James Bond now, and I know his name, and I just can't think of it right now. But it'll 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 come up, Craig something or another. Um, but he's still in the movie, so this really does represent 
an opportunity for transition. And in what I've read, they've talked about how they're using this as a kind of a feeling out process to see how audiences respond to a black 007. I can't wait to see because the way audiences responded to a black, a black mermaid, uh, <laughs> I feel like a bunch of heads are just exploding all over the internet. Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Okay, good. good. You got the Craig, Craig in there, but yeah. yeah. So I can't. <laughs> yeah. Oh okay. man, I can't wait to see. All right, so we're gonna put that, put that on the books, and uh, we'll get into that next time. All right, Radio Slam family, we thank you all for listening. Uh, remember, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast at Radio Islam USA, wherever you get your podcast at. Follow us on social media at Radio Islam USA, right? You may have just heard that. You heard it again at Radio Islam USA. I'm your host and producer, Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Jahid. We remind you that the views expressed by the host and or guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. With that, we are going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.